Good morning. Great to see you. Well done for braving the weather this morning. It's great to um, great to see you. Love uh, love our worship session this morning. God's with us. Um, this morning I'm talking about, uh, we've got to the 9th of February in our uh, Disciple series. Hope you're enjoying your devotional. If you haven't picked up on this or if you've just come in, you can start today by picking up a devotional from the, our Connect Point out the back. I'd love you to get involved every day reading in terms of getting into God's Word, a great discipline uh, to have. Um, so we're talking about relationship. I'm talking about friendship primarily um, this morning and um, struck up um, something of a friendship with my neighbor. Just a quick blessed story. Um, <clears throat> just the other day um, through Facebook, actually, and then he came around to tell me that he'd had his, some stuff stolen from his back garden, a bicycle. And uh, he, you, some of you already know he's, he's got hearing loss. Um, actually is suffering with a, um, a tumor at the moment. Um, so he finds stuff like that really difficult to kind of get his head around and just the practical things of what you do next. So we were in Boscombe, my wife and I, and she um, had seen a picture of the bike um, on Facebook and we were walking past Cash Generator. It's quite a good place to go if you want to see if you've got, if something's been stolen, because often it ends up there. Um, oh, I didn't say that publicly, actually. <clears throat> Sorry. That was just in my head. And uh, we thought that looked a bit like his bike. So we took a photograph and then we took it around to him. And he was like, oh, that might be my bike. Can you, can you make a phone call? So just, just was there able to make a phone call to the police for him um, on behalf. It's a small way of just being a blessing to someone else. Love to hear your stories too. Okay, I'm going to get my wife to come and reach. We're reading from Philippians chapter 2. Um, from uh, verse 19, if you want to open your Bibles. Uh, otherwise, it will come up on the screen. Um, and Catherine is going to come and read the Scripture for us today. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Ephroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you, because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him, the Lord, with great joy and honor men like him, 
because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. That's great. So we're in uh, Philippians, this book about a, a, a kind of a relational love um, from Paul to the church in Philippi of how he um, has kind of loved them and has this affinity for them and desire to see how they are continuing in the faith and in the gospel. And um, today I want to look at the, the text, obviously, that we've read. I want to look at the wisdom of Solomon uh, from the, some Proverbs and also um, a few C.S. Lewis quotes chucked in. Uh, we were going to have a little bit of Shrek, but unfortunately um, the video didn't quite work out this morning. Anyway, so you'll have to wait for Shrek. All right, that's this afternoon. <clears throat> Proverbs 18, verse 24 says this, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. One who has unreliable friends or potentially no friends at all, will come to ruin. The Bible and Proverbs is very clear that you won't make it in life without some friends. Amen? And if you choose the wrong friends, you also won't make it in life. Whatever ruin means, whatever your imagination goes to when we talk about ruin, you won't make it without some friends. But also you won't, I believe, become a fully rounded disciple of Jesus Christ without some friends. Yes, our relationship is vertical to God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he changes us and transforms us. But God works horizontally through us to help one another to become more like him as well. And if I'm honest, our culture works completely against true friendship. You see, we are more concerned with the amount of likes that we have, the follows or the shares on a Facebook page or an Insta account. And I ask the question of, how deep are those friendships? Are they friends at all? Or are they just something that strokes our ego occasionally when they like something of what we say. Don't get me wrong, I think there are some great benefits to our social media and the place that we find ourselves, because I can be in contact with people uh, that I saw way back in primary school that I would never have any contact with uh, if it wasn't for social media. But I think we just need to be careful of what that looks like in terms of a friendship. In terms of our culture, if you think of all the songs on this side about love, about Eros love, yeah, all the songs that have ever been produced. Have a little think about that for a moment. You can probably sing one right now. And if you have a think about all the songs that have been written about friendship over here. Yeah, not many. Not, not many at all. Um, and that kind, of, that kind of just typifies this sense that in terms of friendship, eros love, the whole sense of erotic love and relationship seems to come first. You see, on the cover of a magazine these days, you don't get the headline of a celebrity saying she was great friends with. No, you don't want to know that. You want to know who she's sleeping with. Well, maybe you don't. I want to know who she's sleeping with. Well, maybe I don't. 
But you might say, I've got family, I've got neighbors, I've got my spouse. Yes, but you need a friend. The second half to that proverb says there is one, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The word sticks here means cleave, to commit to someone out of a passionate love. It's not just for marriage. You see, family will be there. They can be there in tough times. They are loyal, but they may not actually like you. That's what happens with family. But a friend, a friend is chosen. A friend is like a pet. You choose a pet and you choose a friend. And they are very much needed. This is my foundation for friendship. And as we read in this passage of Paul, the incredible evangelist, the kind of single he was and thriving within it, world-traveling, nation-changing, church-planting, entrepreneur. He didn't do it alone. And he needed relationship. He needed companionship. He needed partnership. And ultimately, he needed friendship. And we read of two of his companions, his friends here. We read of Timothy, who he would have met uh, a while ago, just in terms of the, all the missionary journeys that they had been on together. And of course, the book of Timothy, which Paul wrote, kind of just encouraging him to go for everything that God had given him, built out of a discipling relationship, but ultimately a friendship. And then there's Epaphroditus, this guy that we read of in this passage again, someone that Paul was obviously close with. I want to talk about three aspects of friendship. I want to talk about finding friends. I want to talk about forging friendships. And I want to talk about fueling friendships. Okay, firstly, here we go. Finding friendships. Friendships are not found. They are, sorry, friendships are found. (laughs) They are not made. There's this sense in which when you find a friend, there's this affinity for something common, an interest that you have, or a love, or a vision for the same thing. You are seeing the world in the same way, a particular passion, perhaps. You see the same truth. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, friendship is born at the moment when one says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. That sense of commonality, this was me and I thought it was just me, but now I found out it's you. The basis for a great friendship. And so in a sense, if you have nothing, if you have no outlook on life, if you have no passion or no vision, then it's difficult for someone to get along with that. And in the same way, if you're going nowhere, it's unlikely that you will have fellow travelers. And so if most of my friendships have been based around things like football and family and faith, those are the things that I love. 
you know, the things that I'm passionate about. What about you? And then we hear of how Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, I might just call him EP from now on, is that all right? It does sound like a rival virus <laughs> to the other one that's going around the world at the moment, Epaphroditus. Oh, I've got Epaphroditus. Oh, it's killing me. It's really bad. I'm going to meet him in heaven one day. Anyway, here's, some, here's what Paul says. He says, Timothy has served with me in the work of the gospel. What's the common ground between this relationship? These guys have served together for perhaps the greatest passion and vision that anyone could have together. They've served for the work of the gospel. Epaphrodites, what does Paul call, call him? He calls him a fellow worker. He also calls him a brother and a soldier. That sense of they battle through times together as one, as a brother, as a friend, because they are co-working together. It's the common ground. It's the key in this passage to Philippians and how Paul went on many of his missionary journeys. And how he did such an amazing job is because he had men alongside him that were his friends. It's not just that they've got Christ. It's not just that they're Christians together. They have a common mission. And in that, they have grown a depth of relationship that without that, they wouldn't have. Why have we sort of in recent time moved our life groups towards a common focus for the people that attend those? For this very reason. Because it's in those places as you, what, you as well? Oh, that's, that's me. Together, we can go forward with God. So the common um, interest, the interest in a, in, a, in a passion perhaps, interest in a place. I love groups that are mobilized because they live in the same location. We're believing in God, aren't we? That in time, maybe we've got groups in Southbourne. We've had groups in Southbourne. We're believing that God's going to give us a site there in Southbourne. Maybe there's, we've got groups in Northbourne, north of Bournemouth. We're wondering about what's happening over to the other side, towards Paul and Branksom. People passionate about these areas, geographical areas, where people are coming together with a common interest. It's not that they just love Jesus. It's that they love the place where they live, and they love the people that live in that place. You'll find deep friendships in those places. You really will. We've got a business community that meet together as a life group. Do you know what? I love that. They have a common interest because they're all small business, large business, whatever they're doing, and a heart to reach other business people in the town. There's one group called Sacred Songs, right? It's an amazing group because they love singing together in the spirit, out of the spirit, secular, non-secular. In fact, I don't even know what really goes on there, but I've heard it's amazing. I believe God's going to raise up many, many more groups based around what people love and do. Because in that place, you will find Great relationships. 
And do you know what? We will reach people who also love that. And through that affinity, through that common vision, you will be transformed, and so might they. Maybe you're going to lead a group one day. Yeah, you can do it. You could do it. I want to just say, because finding friendships are not that easy, you're probably not going to have loads of them. So if you say to somebody, I just, I haven't got many friends, and you start listing five, six, seven, eight, you're done. If you can list one friend who is a true friend, that might be all you need. My plea and my heart and my hope today that as a community in this place that no one would go too much further down the line without being able to list any friends in this community. Because if that is the case, then we are not a community. (laughs) And I know I'm speaking to some who will find this very difficult, and this is the very thing that you struggle with. If I'm honest, as a leader, I struggle sometimes with friendships too in here. You never know (laughs) whether they're really your friend perhaps, or, or they just want to get an angle on what's coming next or what will be happening in the future. Number two, once you've found a friendship, it doesn't stop there. There's some forging to do. There's some building. There's some deepening of that level of relationship. And I've just got two characteristics of what a true friend looks like. And it's the first one is this, that they always let you in. They always let you in. C.S. Lewis says that uh, Eros love has naked bodies. That's woken a few people up. Friendship has naked personalities. I love that quote. Because it means that nothing is held back. Here I am, just as I am. (laughs) All right, don't take it too far, because that's unhelpful. You see, this is where truth in love is so crucial in friendships. And over the years, just talking with my wife and us together in multiple friendships that have come, some have stayed, some have lasted, some have gone, There's this sense in which I've got such a good friendship that I don't think I could tell them that. If I say that thing, then I'll ruin what is a really great friendship. Let me tell you, if you're ever feeling or sensing those words, you haven't quite got a friendship if you can't say those things. And if they are unable to let you in in terms of what you're trying to say, then you've got some cultivating of that relationship to do. Paul must have said to Timothy, well, we know he did, 1 Timothy 5, as he's um, helping him in terms of a father-son relationship. By the way, some of my um, spiritual fathers are some of my best friends for the very reason that they've spoken into my life. 
because they said the stuff that other people were too afraid to say. And actually, rather than causing a rift, it's causing us to go deep, deeper than we were before. Paul must have said to Timothy, take a little wine with your stomach problem. I don't know what Timothy was doing, but he wasn't afraid to say the right thing. Right the way through Paul's letters with this just relationship with the churches, which you can tell his heart is just bursting for. He does not stop from saying the things that they need to hear. Epaphroditus, EP, he tells to go home in this passage. He's sick. EP, go home. (laughs) He's not well. You would imagine EP and Paul. Paul, you're this amazing apostle. Even, was it Paul who did the handkerchief thing? I've just, there's handkerchiefs that were healing people. Here I'm sick and I'm nearly dying. And you're, your anxiety is such that, you, you, you know, surely they would have had a robust conversation about healing at that point. I'm sure they wrestled together. And Paul needed to say to him, I, want, I need to send you Epaphroditus for your benefit and for my <laughs> reduction of my anxiety. Wounds, Proverbs says, 27.6, from a friend can be trusted. They can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. Open rebuke from both sides of a friendship is hard to hear. It's painful. But it's really necessary. It's how we become a disciple, largely. It's one of the primary ways that I believe God uses in a community so that people become more like him. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs also tells us. That's why we talk about our um, our things openly with one another. It's a must. It's a must. And and, uh, just want to take a little leap. I think sometimes we can do this with our, our mission endeavor and being a witness that we think we have a great friendship with someone who isn't yet saved. And yet we're very nervous of telling them about Jesus. <laughs> the very thing that is going to actually rescue them for all eternity is the thing that we can hold back from for the sake of ruining a good friendship. And I've done this over many years and battled with it and gone both ways in some relationships, seeking God's timing and his wisdom. But what I've found ultimately is this, that if they are a true friend, if they love me and want me for who I am, they'll accept the fact that I love Jesus. (laughs) And if they know that I love Jesus, then there's a chance that they too will begin to see him working through me and in my life. That was just an aside. Friendships always let you in and they never let you down. Never let you down. Paul was able to say of Timothy, I have no one else like him. (laughs) He was a proven disciple, a proven friend, if you like. He takes a genuine interest, or he will in the Philippines, he will take a genuine interest in your welfare 
Because everyone else, it seems, looks out for their own interests. How much have you found this out in friendships where you're taking a real genuine interest in them, but they don't really seem to take a genuine interest in you? That one-sided friendship can be tricky and difficult. And a conversation, I suggest, may well be needed. We've already talked about EP. He almost died. Why did he almost die? Well, he was risking his life, Paul says, to make up for the help that the Philippian church couldn't give him at that time. Paul is in prison because he is preaching the gospel. And the authorities don't like it. You don't go to visit a man in prison because he's been put there because of his faith to go and you don't support him unless there's an element of courage and risk. He's taken a gamble with his very life. It's the kind of friend I would love to have. These people are available at all times. Do you know what? You can't be a good friend without being available. Again, our culture doesn't serve us well. The kind of friend that says, when you're in difficulty, yeah, I'll give you a call, is different from the one who says, I'm coming with you. Sacrifice. Timothy and EP definitely have sacrificed some of their own benefits for the sake of Paul and for the gospel. It's not all about them. And it's not all about you. And these uh, characteristics, the last one is being just emotionally aware or careful that they genuinely know you. They know what to say at the right time and what not to say. If they are happy when you are sad, find some new friends. That's why we talk about our groups being about discipleship, because we know that in those groups, people will be there for you, and actually you will need to be there for them. That's why we're pulling out blessed to be a blessing, so that we kind of make a thing of this to help us grow in that way together. Okay, two responses to this, just quickly before I wrap up and bring this to Jesus. First response, as you've been hearing this and as I was thinking about this, is a desire in my heart for, and this might be for you, for for friends like I've been describing. Maybe they're moving away faster than you can forge them. That's what happens in today's society, I think. And there's a longing in your heart because we do not have all the friends that we need at this moment in time. And then the second one is is even more challenging. It's defeat. Because actually as I articulate what the Bible talks about in terms of being a friend, you might be measuring yourself up against this and thinking, I'm not the friend I should be. And maybe we don't have other friends because 
we aren't those friends too. I just want to take a moment to say that there could be a multiplicity of reasons behind all that. Some of you will have been badly burnt in giving your trust away to someone that you thought was a friend. This whole issue of rejection and feeling inadequate even in your own life and shame about who you are rather than what's happened. And I believe God wants to deal with some of that even today. There's fear, as we've already been hearing, that God wants to strip away from you so you can be a friend again. My last point is that friendships need to be fueled. I think of um, Jesus, again, he's such a great example with the 12 and the two that were close to him. number of friends, but two very close to him. Think of Paul, he had many helpers. But we only hear two or three of which it seems like he was deeper and closer. Then Jesus says this in John 15. He says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He goes on, the night before he was to be crucified, he says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but friends. You know, Jesus, the King of all things, author and perfecter of life, if you have a relationship with him this morning, (laughs) He doesn't call you a servant. He has made you his friend. And he says to them, therefore, love one another. Be friends to each other as I have been a friend to you. (laughs) Let's just remember that Jesus, let's just remember what he did in order so we could become a friend with him. We... I turned my back. I don't know about you. We'd all turned our back. Everyone, like sheep, have gone astray. We'd all turn our backs on Christ, who wanted to be our friend, on God, the Father, whose heart and destiny for everyone was to have a relationship with the people that he had made in creation so that he could love them and be their friend. And as I turned my back, as you turned your back, he didn't. He's the ultimate friend who always loves. He was born for adversity. He cleaves to us at infinite cost to himself. Instead of inflicting wounds like friends that have broken up, he took the wounds. He took our stripes by which we are now in him, healed, forgiven, restored, and free. On the cross, Jesus Christ lost his friendship with his father as he went into the depths of despair, hell, For those that he loved, for the joy that was set before him, he experienced what we should have experienced. And in doing so, he let us in to the most incredible friendship there ever is in this world to have. It's when you are friends and intimate with your Father in heaven because of the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross. If you don't have this friendship today, 
then we would love to pray with you before the day, before our time is out. Because friendship with God is the most important friendship you can ever have or disregard. And through a friendship with God, you can have a friendship with many, many people because suddenly you are connected into the greatest vision of all time. As we partner with Christ to see the ends of the earth reached for his glory, and we can go on mission together as a community for that, building friendships and relationships as we go. C.S. Lewis' just final quote says this. How are we going to do this? Well, before I get to the quote, life groups are where we do this. It's not everything, but it's something. It's our way of putting people together with a common sense of passion and destiny so that they can work out some of this. Today, if you are not in a life group, in this community, whether you are saved or unsaved, whether you know Jesus or not, it doesn't matter. You can be part of a community. You can start to find friendship through our life groups, and we would love to help you. And if you are unconnected to anybody else here, when we sing in a moment, you can get up out of your seats because you are unconnected. You might have just come in here and you haven't found any friendships or relationships yet. And we don't want to miss you out. I want to invite you. Be a big step. I want to invite you when we sing to go to the back of our building, to the connect point. There you will find Bernie who came up to us earlier to bring something of God's word. She is overseeing our life groups at the moment. And uh, you you can just give your name and maybe a detail to her or put it up on the tablet up there. And we will do all that we can to help you get established in a community. It might not be the one you end up in, but it's a start for you to get connected, find relationship and build friendships in this place. If you are already in a group, you will know people. You will even have friendships and relationships with people who aren't yet in a life group. I want to encourage you to speak to those people, be a true friend, and tell them this is the place that together we will grow to be more like Jesus. Come with me and invite them to your life group. If we haven't got enough room, then we'll make some more life groups because that's the kind of season we're in at the moment. Is that okay? Final quote from C.S. Lewis says, he's the secret master of ceremonies. This is God. He's at work. He has chosen us for one another. If you think this is all up to trial and error, it's not. At the Feast of Friendship, it's God who has chosen the board and he's chosen the guests. You are not here incidentally. God has friendship for you here in this church. I believe it. If only we will endeavor to find it, to forge it, and to fuel it by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, um, oh, Oliver, where's, where's, it's not Oliver, it's Dominic, where's Dominic? Dominic, do you want to hear a story? Let's hear a story from Dominic. 
Come on, Dominic. That. Hi, Dominic. Hello. How are you? I'm well, yourself? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were going to forget about me. <laughs> I know. I nearly did. <laughs> Dominic, tell us a little bit about how you came to be in City Gate, your background, where you're from. So I'm from the States, and I moved to, well, I moved to Southampton with my family, but then I moved to Bournemouth in late June to start my job. And a, apart from my, my friendship with God, I, and my job here, I didn't have any connections with anybody. So I was, I made a joke with one of my friends, like, oh, I have to, ma I have to make friends now. <laughs> so scary. Um, but anyway, I, I came to CityGate from day one, and I think I was actually, um, I think I was actually nagging to be put into a life group. <laughs> but eventually I was introduced to Simon over there, <laughs> and I joined Simon and Pauline's life group, and um, I, it's really helped me to, to meet all different people within the church and develop my, my Bournemouth family. So um, it's, it's been a blessing to me to be part of the life group. Fantastic. Is there anything particularly you can say uh, in terms of those blessings, what has helped you um, in terms of finding those relationships and friendships? I think what was really powerful was, um, where's Rob? Is Rob Wilson here this morning? He's oh. not here. Okay. <laughs> um, Rob Marking Wilson. Down on the Marking down on the register. He's not here. <laughs> so Rob leads Alpha, for those of you that don't know. And Rob asked me to help out and be a table leader with Alpha. And through those eight weeks, I really helped to um, develop friends within the Alpha group. And then I also connected with uh, people who are at my table. So through Rob, who I met through my life group, I helped to... Um, develop friends through there too. That's brilliant. So yeah, it's great. Thank you so much, Dominic, for coming to share. <laughs> Let's stand together. We're going to worship. I want to give you full permission to push past the people in your row, to get out into the aisles, to go to the back. Let somebody know there. Give your details if you'd like to be in one of our life groups. We'd love you to get connected. Let's sing.